Right then, I got hot chocolate with a Cadbury's flake and the Six Nations is on. Rugby, Ireland versus Wales. Ireland seems to be doing all right. Wales is doing absolute shit. I ain't going to say which one I'm supporting because I don't want to get lynched. But none of you care anything about that. Um, I'm just going to say I'm in a good mood. So if I seem spaced out at all, it's because I'm multitasking, because I'm watching TV and I'm also talking to you guys. Now, this is going to be a rambling like no other, because I'm properly going to ramble this time about all sorts of crazy ass shit. I can't remember what I'm calling the episode, but it has something to do with minority report and... Actually, what is the episode name? Oh, it's called Minority Report. Oh, I see what I did there. So there's a couple of things we can pick up on with the title. Minority Report is, of course, it was a film. I think it had Tom Cruise in it, but I could be wrong. Um, And it was to do with precognizance, seeing the future and then acting upon it. I think in the film, they had a bunch of clairvoyants that would see crimes before they happened that would then, essentially, the police would find out from them, they'd be able to view it or something, it was all very high-tech. And then they would go and arrest the people before they committed the crime. So, that's interesting, but then also, let's break this down, minority report. We could think and talk about minorities, And we could think and talk about reports, such as news reports, but more than likely reporting fucking people on Facebook and shit like that. You could even combine the two together and think minorities that just go around reporting people. Yeah, we can try, let's try and discuss all of these different things. So, I'm going to see if I can link the two together as well, because if I'm smart, I should be able to link the two together. I haven't really given it much thought, but let's see where we go with it. So, let's first start thinking about the whole minority thing. Okay, minority in terms of you, of course, everyone on the Patreon is a minority. Yeah, I don't think off the top of my head that we have any mentees or certainly no one on the Patreon tier two or above that is not a, a minority, because, of course, you are all minorities of one. So you can form all of your little groups, all you like, and huddle together in a warm, safe place in front of the fire in your own little tribes. But you are all still. You all came into the world on your own, And you're all going to leave the world on your own. Everyone is a minority of one. They are all individuals. And even though we may think there are people that are similar with us, that we share experiences with, that maybe look like us, that maybe sound like us, that maybe think like us, we are still all minorities. And the only way really logically to understand someone else is to have lived their life. Because you may be a twin yeah imagine you're a twin you've got a twin brother or sister imagine you've got an identical twin okay so say i had an identical twin 
Uh, I'm Liam, so we'll call the identical twin Leo. Okay, Liam and Leo, we're both the same age. We both pretty much look the same, but personality-wise is a little different. Now, we can spend a lot of our time together growing up and all of that, and we can know each other very, very well. Doesn't mean that we're the same person, doesn't mean that we think the same and that we are the same. We're still minorities in our own right, and we're not actually going to have lived the same lives either. Now, this is important when it comes to all of this political crap and looking at other people's perspectives. So that's by far the most boring part, and I'm not going to lecture people on trying to think and put themselves in other people's shoes. Generally speaking, when you hear about people do that, it's all the lefty kind of people put in saying, oh, just imagine if you had this disability. Just imagine if you were this minority or that minority. I don't see that many people putting themselves in the shoes of racist old ladies. Um, but anyway, that's all political kind of shit, and that's nothing to do, well, it is a little bit to do with magic, but it's not by any means the most interesting perspective. Minority, however, in regards to we are all individuals, when it comes to magic, that is super important because we've stressed this, I think, a few times before and talked about it a few times in terms of education and particularly psychic development because not everyone is able to master abilities using the same techniques. That's why one-to-one -one mentoring and one-to-one -one teaching is so incredibly important because when you've got someone one-on-one, -on -one, you have to adapt and you are able to adapt your words, techniques that you're teaching, all of that to that person that's in front of you, your apprentice, the person that you're teaching. A book can't do that, a video can't do that, and a school very often can't do that because it takes too much time. Sometimes we're able to adapt when we have small groups of people, like I've done classes for 10 or so people, where you get 10 people all at once and you try to teach them a basic technique for something. You can do that, but if I'm honest with you, it still is far, it is nowhere near as superior as an individual one. Not just because, like with many schools, the quiet ones tend to slip between the cracks, Whereas when you're sat in front of someone, you actually ask them directly, did you understand that? Does that make sense? Whereas when you've got a group of 10 people, you've always got the quiet one that doesn't really feel confident, even though it's a small group saying, I didn't fucking get that. I have no idea what you're talking about. And it makes it even worse when nine of the other people in that group all say, oh yeah, 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 that's good, let's move on, right? So minority, in terms of teaching, the most superior method that I've ever found is one-to-one, -one. okay? And one-to-one -one has good things, of course, it does have some bad things, but then at the same time, we also need to be a little bit careful um, in order to, you know, do our best to cope with some of the bad things. So the bad things in terms of one-to-one -one tuition is that you are always having one tutor, perhaps. And if you've got that one tutor or that one person that's guiding you, you may get a little bit of a biased education. Now, when I was an apprentice, apprentice electrician, not apprentice widowed or witch or whatever the fucking one you call it, you would get swapped about 
so you would go and spend some time working with and for someone and then you would go and spend some time working with and for someone else so you would get an idea of what different people masters different tradespeople would do and how they would approach certain things you would get to pick up some people's bad kind of uh ways of doing things but then you'd also learn good ways of doing things as well now me and chris do try our best to do that but normally what happens is if you are on solid footing or when we put you on solid footing what that means is you're able to go and discover other magical practitioners you're able to go and interact with hence why we have the witchcraft live and no holds barred witchcraft communities is that to a certain extent people do chat with each other maybe sometimes on the actual facebook group pages sometimes behind the scenes on the various events that we do we often have other people that make do talks and classes and things like that but at the very least you're all bumping into each other and talking to each other so that's good because it means that you're bumping into other people and what's fascinating for me is when i teach someone and then i teach another person and then i teach a third person all individually but then those three people happen to meet each other eventually at some point and it's very interesting because they've all had me as a mentor and they've all possibly learned psychic development or astral projection or something like that and yet they can all benefit from each other because their experiences will not be the same nor will the techniques that i've had to help them develop necessarily be the same this is also true for spell casting herbal medicine any of these sorts of things that do often really if you're learning properly and it's not copy and paste cookie cutter, we all do it the same. When people have created and developed that personalized kind of magical flair, that signature of working, then that so much knowledge can be gleaned from watching another person work and listening to them talk and stuff. So that's obviously an important point. We are all a minority of one, we all learn slightly differently, even if uh, on face value, we may all divide ourselves into groups, whether that be all the people that speak in English, whether that be the people that are from specific parts of the world or in specific time zones, whether that be people that come from a specific religious or cultural background, which flavors their magic, or it could be something as simple as their specific interests and people who are interested in like i've mentioned herbal medicine and healing arts they may gravitate towards each other of course one thing that we need to make extremely clear is that if we had 10 people that all were fascinated with the arts of healing and that were all very interested in herbal medicine and stuff like that they may all learn a lot from each other but i can guarantee they will learn an awful lot from someone on the opposite path. That evil, nasty magician who likes to go around fucking people up. I can tell you those healers are potentially going to learn a lot more from that person, even though on the face of it, it may seem like they're on the opposite side because one heals and one hexes. But in reality, one needs to remember that you can learn a lot from your enemies because your enemies are the ones 
that you are fighting against. All of these healers may swap techniques, but those techniques are generally developed in the crucible of war. So, you will learn a lot from your frenemies and enemies, potentially more from them than you will from your friends, okay? So, if someone develops a super cool technique and uses a various type of magic that you've never experienced before and you're having to undo that or heal the person that's affected by that, guess what? You didn't necessarily learn that from your friends or from a magical course on healing. You learned that by talking to the person that caused that piece of Maleficent magic. Okay, interesting. This is why I'm very, very big with getting people from different paths to talk with each other. And most of the time, unfortunately, what tends to overshadow this is this whole cultural thing, or this cultural bollocks. This, I'm a hoodoo practitioner, I'm a West Country cunning man, and I'm someone from some eclectic kind of piece it all together. I don't really know what I'm doing, but we'll call it magic, chaos magic kind of background. People think that sticking all those people in a room is somehow going to help each of them develop. And it does to a certain extent, but unfortunately you see too much of this. You see far more of we're all from a different cultural background, we all have different cultural practices, which flavors our magic, and trying to swap those, because unfortunately, generally speaking, it's only when you get to more of an adept level that you're really in a, realistically, you're going to be able to learn anything from that. The reason why I say that is because magical practices are kept secret. The gap year student that goes off to the Far East and likes to learn to meditate and maybe comes back a Buddhist will know very little of the true secret nature of those Buddhist teachers that were teaching them to meditate. Because most of the magical practitioners and societies keep their secrets secret. They do not speak about them. Now within witchcraft we have a quite big um, I think history of making little hints okay little hints within western occultism we love to leave a little trail of breadcrumbs and little hints and things like that right you don't get that with other cultural practices what you get is well when they get to that level is all a bunch of stepping stones. We're only going to let them see the stepping stone that they're trying to jump onto next. And we're not going to tell them how many other stepping stones they are. We are going to, much like they put on horses, those little blinders that limit the peripheral vision of a horse. It's very useful if you're taking horses out in country lanes and you get assholes in land drivers coming past because that frightens them. Anyway, we're going off on a tangent. Um, within the Western traditions, we don't necessarily do that. We There's generally this idea of gatekeeping and stuff, but quite a lot of the time you tend to, because we're very 
academically inclined, there's a lot of written down work. So unlike in a lot of other cultures where they don't necessarily write a lot of things down, what we tend to do is write things down, but make it very poetic and symbolic to the point where you have no fucking clue. It's written down, but you have no real fucking clue what they're talking about. Alchemists are great with this sort of thing. Um, whereas abroad, I know that I've met several people that have attempted to learn deeper mysteries of certain traditions, and they just can't because there is that aspect of, well, you're not allowed to, you're not welcome here. Um, and generally speaking, that that completely dissipates, if I'm honest with you, when you get past a different, past a certain level. Um, the reason for that is that all of these people that are trying to keep their practices secret, they're keeping cultural practices secret. Um, maybe it's a tribal thing or community thing or, you know, those sorts of things. They're keeping them secret for a reason. They're keeping them secret so that they don't get exploited. It's not just that they're sacred. It's that actually a lot of these practices are it's dangerous if that sort of thing gets leaked out because knowledge and such can be used against the people, okay? Now, there are many uh, mystery traditions and many magical traditions which as an adept, you'll be able to swan into straight at the fucking top and have conversations straight at the top. Will you have conversations by going on a little um, packaged holiday abroad and going on the bullshit tour? No, probably not. What you're going to do is it's more than likely going to be a specific piece of work, magical work, that you happen across these other people that are also interested in this magical work, or is a kind of spirit matchmaking situation whereby you've got a powerful spirit or deity that some group works with that you also work with and they kind of marry the two together. Now, how does the adapt, how does a magical practitioner, an intermediate level and above, how are they able to do this? Well, it's really quite simple. Magic is based on laws and principles because magic that we call it is a human thing. Humans on a magical path are humans, okay? Humans are in this physical universe. We adapt and our bodies adapt to our environment. Our magical practices and brains and understanding adapt according to the universe physicality that we are in okay in order to get to the next level you need to use this reality this physical world as a stepping stone which means that you need to master and understand enough of the underlying principles and energies in order to manipulate them to get to the next level okay or 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 every single or Magical systems that work are based on exploiting and understanding these underlying principles, rules, energies that exist in this physical world. We may have different names for them, we may use different symbols, we may adapt to different practices and that, but essentially everything's fucking running on Microsoft Windows. 
if you're on a Windows computer. Yeah, trying to go a bit techie now. Some people are understand that. So when you've used that and you've gone to the next step, bearing in mind you will have had to have mastered to a high level all of these magical principles, rules and things, yeah? When you get to that next step and you look back, automatically you are able to understand every single other magical practice that is using those systems. You may come and think about things from a Greco-Roman perspective. That might be your go-to understanding for the Western mind. You may use that as a means, as a vehicle for starting and progressing your magical knowledge, abilities and such. And then you may get somewhere. Obviously, it's going to evolve far past the bullshit mythology and copy and paste practices and such. But eventually you will get somewhere and then you will truly master what they would call adept, adeptus minor, potentially adeptus major in the... Um, a hermetic order of the golden dawn situation um but looking back you were able to look at some of these other practices whether it be voodoo um some of the african traditional religious practices and the shamanic practice and that you're able to say i don't need you to explain how this works because i can see how it works i can see the energy that you're using i can see that that healing ritual worked on a low Saturnian current, and I can see all of your ancestors flocking to that ceremony. I can see that you're doing necromantic healing. I can see that. I don't need to be fucking told that. I can see it with my own two eyes, three eyes, if you're counting all of the energetic perspectives in the psychic development, which, let's be fair, you fucking will be. You can see... You don't need to be told. And this is how magic at a higher level and um, cross-cultural um, magical practices and adepts and the like work on a magical level. They don't need to explain what they're doing because they know that another person is going to be able to see them. And that's why they don't violate any of their oaths taken. It's also why they can get away with working with other people from different traditional backgrounds and not being accused of giving away anything because you can't give away something that the other person already sees and has okay if i'm a little illusionist magician yeah and i'm doing a trick making a ball disappear and reappear by doing a little bit of a sleight of hand if I'm the other magician stood next to that person who's doing that little trick for the mundane and I know how that trick is performed because I've done something similar and I understand the sleight of hand that's going on and the misdirection, that's a conversation that doesn't need to be had. Okay, I don't need to shout out for the mundane to hear is in your right hand. You just pointed to your left hand as diversion when actually you were grasping hold of it. And then you went and put it in your pocket when they looked a different way. You know, all of this, that 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 is something that doesn't need to be said. And it doesn't get said, to be honest with you. When it does get said, it gets said in such an 
specific way, because as we need to remember, the more specific and precise language a person uses, the less people they can talk to. Scientists are a big one for this. You really, really have to dumb things down for the masses to be able to understand science, because scientists use very precise language. And the more precise the language you use, the less people are willing, are able to get involved with the conversation. This is also true for magic. Much of this gatekeeping that you see is actually people using precise language, which is fucking hilarious when you think about it. Because when people accuse others of saying, which I've been accused of in the past, that someone is a gatekeeper and that they don't want to tell you anything, actually they're doing the fucking opposite. They're spelling it out in the most precise way that they can. Unfortunately, you don't necessarily have the training to be able to understand the words and concepts and such to realise that. The whole idea of hiding in plain sight is something that as people progress through their magical workings, they really do get the concept of that. That actually is the super basic ass shit that needs hiding. The adept stuff never ever needs hiding because there's so few that could understand anti-disestablementarianism. I didn't say that right, but it's a big word. I think it's the longest word in the English language, you know? When you're using super specific, precise, vocabulary, or using specific, super uh, precise energies, how are they going to pick up on this? Are they going to understand it? No, they're not. So, there we go. So, adepts, talking to other adepts and stuff like this. Um, magical practitioners. Uh, the only friction I see that tends to happen is imagine, I'll use an example from a friend because I'm not going to give you one of my own. Um, I had a friend, and I'm not going to call him a friend actually, I had someone that I worked with on a project who was a very accomplished magician. I would personally say, in my opinion, one of the greatest magicians of this current age. He probably wouldn't say that. I would say that just because I've seen the level of magical practitioners that are out there. And this is someone that really is practicing at a very high level. Um, he was involved in a, let's see, a, let's just say it's a little quest. It was up to something and he happened to cross a Native American tribe, which is quite interesting because they're very, 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 um, yeah, they might exploit the kind of um, market and sell this kind of tourist hat. But at the same time, most of their own people in their tribe are excluded from deeper magical practices. So if you're excluding members of your own tribe and your own families and that, and keeping knowledge specifically hidden for a very, very few people that's main task is to transfer it down to the next generation of people that proves themselves. You ain't gonna be having someone come along swanning wrong from the West, some white guy, um, and they're not gonna be divulging secrets, right? However, these two people were able to work together on a specific high-level project, which was very upsetting for other people who were being taught 
by, let's just say, a tribal leader, because they were upset that, well, wait a minute, why is this white guy? Why are you having conversations talking about all this high level stuff with this white guy and you're not even sharing it with your own people, you know? And it's because they hadn't got to the level of being able to understand what the fuck's going on yet. It's kind of like if I took on an apprentice, and I mean an apprentice in the form of training someone up to be better than me or as good as me, and I took that person on for 10 years, and I trained them for 10 years, and they were able to do some super magical stuff compared to the other people. And then I happened across another person, another magical practitioner, witch, magician, whatever. And I started talking about super high-level concepts that my personal apprentice had never heard of yet. And they're like, well, why haven't you ever told me about this? Why haven't, you know, what, what is this a secret? Blah, blah, blah. Why are you talking to this stranger about it? When actually... <laughs> The very fact that you're saying super high level magical practices that they don't understand, you're not excluding them. You're just using precise magic or language. And that apprentice has clearly just shown that they cannot understand that level of practice yet. And I am rambling because this is a ramble. So where else are we going with this? Um, minority report. There's the idea, obviously, within the film of seeing things happen before they happen. So precognizant, seeing the future. Now, there are multiple ways that you can see the future. And I look at two levels to seeing the future. And this is extremely important. The witches magical practitioners way of seeing the future what you see is outcomes that can be changed okay so if i see someone that's going to get run over by a car i then think fuck that person is going to get run over by a car and i go and change that and i'm able to change that if i don't change it then it just goes and happens right but the level of magical practitioner, when they're tapping into the current of looking to the future and they're seeing things that can be changed, that is the lower level of future gazing. What I normally call the witch's level, because it's the vast majority of what magical practitioners tend to be able to see if they put some training into it is also one of the more useful ones because people tend to want to when they're on a magical path or a witch's path specifically because witches love to do changing and be very active in the roles they play in the universe they want to change things you know it's useful because you're looking at things that are changeable okay now, the higher level, which would be kind of what I would consider to be Titan level, is that you're looking at things from such a high level that things never change, okay? Now, people get confused with things not being able to be changed. But that's technically incorrect. If you looked at it, that's how it would seem, but it is still technically incorrect. Because what you're looking at from the lower level of looking at the future is you're almost like looking at a sat-nav 
if you look at the sat nav when you're on the motorway or when you're on the road you see that there's a junction coming up and you see that the sat nav's telling you to go left to get to your destination now what you need to remember is that hasn't happened yet okay that hasn't happened yet that is the route that you are currently on providing there's no interference and there is choice because we are in the car driving you see and we can choose fuck it i'm not going to listen to that sat nav i'm going right at the junction or i'm going to carry on you know now what you need to remember from the perspective of the very higher level is they don't look and you don't look at things like that sat nav you don't look at it from the perspective of linear time you look at it in the perspective of everything at once which means everything has happened will happen and is happening which means unfortunately at that level there are never any changes which for a human is difficult to understand and for the person or people that have just managed to get to that level they'll probably be struck from a human perspective anyway when they come back down here in their human form as it being very sad and upsetting and it can cause maybe the odd breakdown within certain people because the idea of nothing actually ever changes is so unbelievably anti-human because human well if one considers that the meaning of life is to be experienced and humans go through their lives often trying to make choices and things happening to them and then reacting to things and all of that sort of shit means that a human experience is very much a case of doing stuff trying our best to live a life that brings us happiness and the, what we're talking about is the complete opposite to that we're kind of looking at everything never ever changing which is what you get at the titan level because nothing ever does change at that level it's so big and vast that you're so much outside of the system that the system itself is crystallized um that's about as high level of discussion I'm going to have on the occult ramblings with this in this episode because it's too much for most people to understand. So I'd rather people focus on the lower level of looking at things, which is looking at the future, like the satnav, where you're looking at potentials with the potential that's most likely going to happen being the one that's highlighted in blue. Because if you look at the satnav, or at least my satnav, I've got all the lengths and all the junctions, but my route is in blue and I look at it and I see where I'm going. Yeah, right. That's the best way of looking at it from this perspective. The reason why I'm not gonna go into the other one is that if you're able to understand that, there is absolutely no point in me talking about it because you already understand that. And if you don't have experience with it, there is no way of me using English to explain it if anything is just going to push you further back with your progression so i'm going to ignore the rest of it and we're just going to focus on this kind of idea of changing the future and seeing the future and all that kind of things
The worst way to try and look at the future is divination. At least divination that involves tools. Um, there are variables, um, and some tools are better than others, but the basic idea of the yes and no answer, pendulums, rolling of die, all of that sort of shit, intro readings, okay, intro readings are a little better than that, um, but omens and signs and, you know, pendulums and yes or no's and magic coins and all that shit, that is the most poor level of seeing the future. In fact, I wouldn't even consider it realistically to be future gazing, looking at the future at all. Um, realistically, that's people that are really shit at making decisions and too scared to make decisions, thinking like, oh, well, if I can just flip a coin, because that way I'll just do what the coin tells me to do, and then I won't have to actually make a fucking decision. That's that. The next level would be things like tarot and the, and such like that, because what you're doing there is you're using it as a way, a structure for honing in on and being able to see a specific journey. So a specific sat-nav route or the things surrounding that. And I'm if I'm using the sat-nav from a proper adept or a decent person that's using tarot and i'm not talking about memorizing book re uh, book um definitions of what each card means i'm talking about using a tarot or um potentially some runic systems as well um looking at things like that from the perspective of they fucking whisper and tell you oh, i see this i see that look i'll show you now look i'm showing you this i'm showing you that is kind of a little bit more like that sat nav perspective of we're going this way this is the way you're heading these are all the other directions and oh by the way there's traffic in this route that's why we're going this way you get a lot of information from this okay but it's nicely there it's nicely there for you to be able to look at visually in front of you and open up the lift different cards or hear the whisperings of the different symbols and such as they come through, okay? So the next level up from that is we're going into the, the ability to be able to not need that physical structure to gaze at, to look at, to help our mind comprehend, which is incredibly difficult because what that means is that now means that if the tarot or the spreads or forms of divination and such, if that is providing you a structure from which to explore a question or explore an outcome or explore the future, what that then means, if you're getting rid of that system, the tarot or tool or whatever it is, that, that that schematic and that logic that needs to exist in your brain. Your brain needs some form of logical processing ability to be able to take all the information and for you to be able to understand it. Now, a lot of these forms of divination are bridges for people that cannot yet take all of this information and process it okay so instead it gentles it down it is kind of like a filing cabinet to a certain extent i suppose or a desk 
stack with lots of different trays, in trays, out trays, important documents, not important documents, all of this sort of thing. So it enables you to logically break a huge big, because if you're looking at the future and you're looking at multiple realities and such, it's fucking complicated, right? There's so many variable variables. It's, um, it's fucking amazing. So... <laughs> unless you've developed the ability to be able to process all of that at once and then be able to, because remember, sat-navs continuously move, okay, which is the difference, again, between the really low-level stuff of, yes, the pendulum says next week Samantha's going to die, you know? Your Tyrell, realistically, you should be thinking, well, actually... I see this is the whole story that leads up to Samantha dying and that if she decides not to go to work on that day, she won't die at all. And if she decides to leave five minutes later, well, she will get involved in the car accident, but she won't die. She'll just be severely injured because she won't be the first car that gets rammed by that massive fucking lorry on the motorway. She'll be like the sixth or seventh car that just ends up crashing into a bunch of other cars, right? That should be... The level of detail that you're getting from that within the sat nav example remember the sat nav as you progress down that road and as you drive down that road that sat nav constantly changes so not only do you have the full idea of the destination you're going to but also you have the routes that you're taking and the reasons why you're taking those routes and the times and all that sort of thing Okay, because Satnav says it's going to take you X amount of time to get there. Oh, there's a delay on this road, so we're going to take a back road because there's traffic on the other road. All this sort of shit, yeah? So with that, obviously, that provides structure for you to explore and process the information. The processing is the important bit. A lot of people think that tarot is this mystical idea of connecting to the information. When in reality... If you're able to get that connection, you're very often not using the tarot to connect. What you're actually doing is using the tarot and such to process the information. Because if someone says to you as a tarot reader or a rune reader or a fucking entrail readings reader or anything like that, where does the knowledge come from? and you can't fucking answer that, then you've got a hell of a lot of work to do. Because normally that person means I don't have a fucking clue how this works. I know that there's, I see, I see stories, I see this, I see that in all of these different divination systems, but I don't really know. Um, the more you take a divination system and create it from the ground up, very often the more you understand. Um, I know Will's very good with his runes and stuff like that, and he likes that. But very often, the most accomplished rune readers that I've seen don't go and buy runes from a shop and go and learn the meanings. What they tend to do is they end up kind of, to a certain extent, producing runes. And very often, in my experience at least, and I can't speak for everyone, but in my experience from what I've seen, they only truly are gifted a rune. Bearing in mind they may make them be gifted that rune and are able to make it when they've got that solid connection with that realm thing, 
spirit potentially that that rune represents that it is able to start and is a form of communication is a door that one opens okay so we talked a little bit about gazing into the future and stuff like that i suppose we should probably talk a little bit about i don't know some report reporting that kind of thing um i suppose we could talk about moving outside of one's comfort zone because when you move outside of one's comfort zone there's an awful lot of friction and this is a very big danger that i'm seeing um and it's something that we as humans need to overcome when we start on a magical path and that is that we are of course individuals and we see things from our own perspective and we attempt to see things from other people's perspectives and sometimes what we tend to see is and think naturally our perspective is the best perspective okay and that we are right the worst times and the atrocities that happen when a person thinks they're morally right about something is far worse than a person that thinks, oh, fuck it, I just want to get my own way. I've seen throughout history the people that say, fuck it, I'm doing what I want, I'm going to get my way. And then when you compare the terrible things they do to the terrible things that a person that thinks they are morally justified to do something for the greater good, fucking hell, those people that think they're morally justified, oh my God, god they do some fucking horrendous things and morally justified is what you tend to find people often talk about when they think they're all like all enlightened like right and um in reality the people that progress a lot better down a magical path at least from a witchcraft perspective tend to be the people that say fuck it i don't care i'm getting my own way because I was very witchy. Whereas the people that tend to think I'm morally justified and I need to do this work because it is justified as greater human or something like that, very often they very, very fucking quickly reach a block. And they reach that block simply because it takes a great amount of wisdom to be able to jump from one stepping stone to the next within magic. Because what people fail to understand is that stepping stones are not evenly spaced okay stepping stones aren't in e aren't evenly spaced if a stepping stone if my second stepping stone is one meter away from my first stepping stone and i jump a meter to my second stepping stone that third stepping stone will be two meters away Okay, this is what we need to remember. This is why paradigms need to break. Because what happens is we train magical practitioners, and also you can see this in sports as well. We train for that next hurdle. We train to be able to lift up that next big weight. We train to be able to long jump a little bit further every time okay now within a magical practice what happens is that when we it's only really actually the destruction of a paradigm that results in you getting very often to that next hurdle 
Okay, so the first one with jumping on the stone, the first stone is actually working out that you've been lied to and that magic does actually exist. And there is a miraculous way in which you're interacting with the universe that no one's actually ever told you about and you never realized before. Learning and understanding that magic truly does exist is much like a blind person being able to see for the first time. It's like, this is so different to how I ever imagined. This really changes the way I interact with the world, you know, because magic as a thing is one of those things. So if you have worked out the magic really truly does exist and you're attempting to understand the basics of it, you've now reached the first stepping stone. You've jumped onto the first stepping stone. And that first stepping stone isn't that far into the, uh, let's call it like a, the sea, stepping stones going into the sea, yeah, or across a river or something like that. Let's go across a river. Jumping onto that stepping stone, what you need to remember now, of course, is it's fucking difficult because you're on a stepping stone very close to the bank of the river. You can still relate to the people and talk to the people that are on the bank of the river. You're just a little bit further actually getting into the water, okay, that stepping stone but you can still relate to them and you can still see their perspective. Then the next stage, what you have to understand is, well, actually you're progressing and you're pushing into magic. And to, in order to get to the next stepping stone, which for many people is trying to understand and create a magical system that works, they understand that magic works on the first stepping stone, that it's a thing, they don't understand and they cannot really master it. They can't have confidence with the fact that they can repeat spell work or get things right. What they're trying to do is cobble together a magical system and understand what the fuck is this magic and how does it work, right? When they have a system, generally speaking, that's at the stage where through pulling that system together is that ability to jump on to the second stepping stone. And inevitably, to get from the second stepping stone to the third stepping stone, well, there's only way in one way in which to do that. And that's for you to have realized the limits to that magical system you thought was so perfect and explained everything and got you such good results that you happen across something that completely goes against that magical system, that paradigm that you're in. So whether you were initiated into a magical tradition and you've mastered all the things the tradition has taught you to master, or you've gone and been initiated into some kind of a religion and you have a religious backing of understanding a pantheon of gods, goddesses, or all of that sort of thing, and they've got you as far as they can, well done. You are now on the tippy toes at the edge of this second stepping stone. The only way you're going to get to the third stepping stone is to realize, fuck, there's other stuff that this system I'm a part of, this magical system or religion or wherever it is, that I've truly dedicated myself to, that has answered all of my questions thus far, that has given me all of these abilities, is flawed because it doesn't understand this fucking thing that I've just come across and it has no words to describe it, nor am I able to do anything because my magical system has never encountered this before. And the only way to get to that third stepping stone 
is to adapt that magical system to add to it or more often than not to be the phoenix that rises from the ashes to realize that my magical system kind of worked a little bit but actually is fucking fatally flawed and this entire thing's actually come crashing down from my magical perspective from people that i've mentored this happens time and time again what happens is they try and accomplish a piece of magic they get there they're comfortable with that they really feel they've learned something and then they try to attempt another piece of magic and they cannot make it work it's a new thing a new level something far outside that they can almost grasp they can almost understand it but it's so far outside of what they understand and are able to do that then they feel fuck i can't do anything and that normally from most humans ends up making them go on an emotional crash so a lot of people tend to feel like oh fuck i'm shit at magic i can't do magic i'll never get there all of this is kind of self-deprecating um it's literally a crash and very often from that crash it's very good for the ego but at the same time you have to rebuild you have to push further and the most important thing to remember is that your magical system is flawed so your magical system is not going to be the thing that gets you to that third stepping stone moving past that magical system if you have a problem that your magical system and your ability is not able to overcome then that is training you need to be able to master and defeat this foe with games they call them like um was it bosses and that at the end of a level before you progress to the next one you need to crack and defeat this thing that's got in your way this block this obstacle and only then having defeated that will you be able to think how the fuck did i defeat that oh i did this 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 and this oh this is working you've now discovered something new and from that new discovery and the processing and understanding what you've done and how it worked have you then created a new magic system a better stronger more resilient one and have you grown as an individual wiser stronger more adept and then you look around and think oh fuck look i'm on the third i'm on the third i'm on everyone i'm on the third fucking thing and as you look back now you're on the third stepping stone you look back and you look at the puzzled looks of everyone that's on the second that thing how the fuck is that person doing that how the fuck is that person doing that they are so much more advanced than i am i don't have a fucking clue what they're talking about oh gosh i'm never going to be able to get there and then you look back at the people on the first stepping stone they're still fucking about trying to make firework you know <laughs> <laughs> they're still messing about buying books upon books upon books thinking that they're going to get a golden nugget in, in each and as soon as they've got enough golden nuggets they're somehow going to be able to pour them into the water and walk across to that next stepping stone which of course generally death happens before that happens and that is the flaw of the first stepping stone oops maybe i shouldn't have said that but let's be fair i may not have put it in that sort of language before but me and chris have talked about this many a times of course, 
when you're on the third stepping stone, what becomes your next bet? Well, there is a fourth stepping stone. Are you going to go for the fourth stepping stone? Inevitably, if you've been one to go on the journey, you may decide to give up, but you'll never truly be able to stop because it's not within your nature. If you've got to that third stepping stone, it is not within your nature to give up. So when you get to that third stepping stone, you may take some time out, you may take a break, you may swear you're happy and you're never gonna get any further, but at the back of your mind, there's gonna be that, I kinda wanna know what's on the fourth stepping stone. I kind of want to know what's there. I think I should. Okay, okay. I'll I'll start thinking about it. Inevitably, another paradigm breaks. Very often, with the help of being forced in to other things, sink or swim comes to mind. That you end up, perhaps through a series of trials and fights for survival that you end up finding your way to that fourth stepping stone only to find another fifth stepping stone beyond that but there we go so that's that uh one thing that i would say that it takes with these different stepping stones is that we need to remember that this is a solitary journey Within the first stepping stone, a lot of people make progress between the first and the second stepping stone by joining forces with other people, whether it's coven structures, whether it's magical traditions and occult lodges and stuff like that. And very often what they tend to do is to, you help me, I'll help you. Let's build a raft or a bridge and get to that other stepping stone together, yeah? Unfortunately, it doesn't get you beyond the third stepping stone. Because at that point, you realize that stepping stone, first stepping stone, second stepping stone, it's a meter away. Meter away from the shore to the first, two meters away from the second to the third, three meters away from the third to the fourth big leaps, twice as much effort, potentially twice as much time. And eventually, politics comes in <laughs> as well. <laughs> oh, anyway, I know I've gone beyond a little bit about what most people are going to follow along, way, uh, along with now. But, um, Stepping stones is a nice way to think about it in terms of your progression and to look at where you are. Um, because it is nice to take the time to reflect. And a lot of people don't necessarily take the time to reflect. A lot of people look towards the next stepping stone. And a lot of the time it's natural to do that and you'll get a lot of it having focused on development and going further 
but actually sometimes you need to take a look and swing around and look over your shoulder and have a little look at how far you've come and that's something I would definitely say is worthwhile doing I mean how far do you feel you've come on your magical path because don't judge it by how much you necessarily have learned because the problem is with most magical practitioners and there's an age-old saying about um once i've learned a mystery then i find 10 more you know once you have developed in magical practice and you've developed a skill or a technique or something like that then you find loads of other stuff that you can't do and it can be a little bit disheartening and sometimes people can get a little bit down at it they can think oh well i thought that i'd get somewhere i've managed the no master astral projection i'm there in the astral world i'm finding all of these fucking things that no one ever talks about in the astral world and all of these abilities and all the trouble i can cause and things that i can use to my advantage and yet there's stuff beyond the astral and i just want to know what that is and you don't necessarily think well wait a minute so many people haven't even got to where I'm at. Yes, I want to progress, but let's take some time to fucking give myself a pat on the fucking back. And there we go. Um, the further you go on those stepping stones, the less you're going to be able to relate to the people on the shoreline. It's the sad truth. Once we get to the old yeah i mean the tarot is quite good at this i mean there's a whole tarot story with the major arcana and that that kind of depicts someone's symbolic magical journeys of stepping stones um maybe i'll have to do a video or something on that but the stepping stones of the tarot um very often you can kind of see that but certainly when you get to the hermit card that stepping stone it's very difficult for you to be able to relate to other magical practitioners, but also you're so far beyond like looking back at that shoreline, seeing those people having a picnic on the side of the uh, river, wondering, I wonder how people, if there's a something on the other side of that vast river, I wonder if there's something on the other side of that great abyss. Um, it's very difficult. And for the people that have gotten to that stage, I do very much feel for you. But it's just another stepping stone. There's another exciting thing beyond that. So there we go. Have a little look at how many stepping stones you can name. And maybe have a little look at your tarot. For people that seem to love the fucking tarot so much, have a little look at your major arcana. Um, don't go for the really shitty major arcana, the really shitty arty decks. Look at one of the older, some of the older decks. The Rider Waite's obviously a favourite of mine because the Rider Waite deck was specifically, de be, was specifically designed to show the stepping stones or as one of the decks that were designed to show the stepping stones, albeit through the um, Kabbalistic you know method but still it's all it's there um but i wonder how many of them you can resonate with and see and understand because obviously the first would be the fool 
then the magician, then the high priestess. It's your first three stepping stones there, isn't it? The fours on the shore. Fours on the shore. Which is the zero card zero, because some there's another thing. One of the ponderings of people that are on some of the stepping stones before they find the answer to that out. Look at the Thor card and they look back to the shoreline in moments of distress and think, wait a minute, all those people are just meandering about, wasting their lives, going out, getting pissed up, starting families, fucking about and just living a visceral life. What if I'm the idiot? Am I the smart one that's trying to evolve my soul magic all of that or am i the idiot that's spending so much time contemplating and learning when really i should be spending enjoying so there is many a people that still see the shoreline that look back and think well actually maybe i'm not supposed to learn this maybe there is no point maybe 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 you know then, of course, the Magician's card, the second card, is the finding a magical system, isn't it? Because that's what the Magician does. He's a magician. Ceremonial magic is all about refining a system, isn't it? Of course, High Priestess is all about sitting and commanding and saying, ha, I found the system. I'm so beyond the system. I've actually got a system now, and I've mastered a system. And guess what? I'm Priestess, which kind of means I'm at the top of if I still am a part of a magical lodge, or if I still am in a coven, I'm probably one of the most powerful practitioners in that coven, because I've mastered the system, because the stepping stone of mastering the system was card number one, technically, or two, sorry. Um, the magician, first stepping stone is the magician. So if you're on the second stepping stone, I get my stepping stones mixed up, I know, because I'm trying to relate it to the Rider weight. Um, but when I've got to my next stepping stone with the High Priestess, it's, well, actually, at this stage, I've mastered the tradition and I've managed to move beyond the tradition, which means I'm adding to the tradition, which means I'm a fucking High Priestess. And then, have a little look at the card that comes after High Priestess. Mm. Also, the Rider Way often does reveal the Golden Dawn's ideas of what magical abilities one should be mastering at each card or at each stepping stone. Oh, interesting. What, you mean when Liam and Chris, you say, what is it you want to do and you'll teach us that, that that I'm wasting my time doing that. Well, no, because obviously we try to cater and keep you interested by helping you master techniques that are going to get you whatever results you want. But actually, if it's super witch that you're wanting to get to, some abilities become stepping stones for other abilities to manifest one really needs to get to the astral world if they want to get beyond it it's logical yeah one doesn't just jump to the next level beyond the astral if one doesn't master the astral first hmm where's the astral 
Well, it is depicted in one of the cards in the Rider Waite deck. That is the ability for mastery of the astral body and the alchemy that results within that. Wonder which card is in. I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to go and have a little look. But if you'd like to private message me or put in the comments which card you think it is, I would be prepared to say yes or no. <laughs> but there we go. I think I'll end it here because I've been rambling on for ages and I can't even remember what we were supposed to be talking about today. So it's probably best time to quit. So goodbye, everyone. And merry jumping and marching on you little stepping stones. Of course, I didn't actually say what would happen if you made a jump for a stepping stone and then didn't quite make in fell in the sea did i what would happen then the loud and resounding sea what potentially could happen if you tried to make a big jump for the next stepping stone but never make it and splashed in the sea would you be able to just swim back to the stepping stone you just jumped from and get back on or would it be some sort of indiana jones style thing like uh is it the lost ark one where he jumps on those stepping stones and then they crumble and then if he picks the wrong ones he just falls to his death who knows i'm not gonna answer that but if you get to the seconds uh if you get to the high priestess card Chances are you'll probably know the answer to that. There we go. Bye, everyone. Oh, and by the way, I think Ireland won by the looks of it, just in case anyone was following on with the rugby. Wales lost. <laughs>